Hello and welcome to the Trial Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Berta Tarret-Torres, a former researcher and a science communications officer at the MRC Clinical Trials Unit at UCL. In this show, we explore the clinical trial landscape by talking to the clinicians, researchers and patients that are behind the work we do. If you're interested in learning how our research can help improve healthcare in the UK and around the world, this is the podcast for you. This is part three of our series on Octopus, a new clinical trial in progressive multiple sclerosis, or MS, designed and run by the MRC-CTU at UCL. If you haven't listened to part one and part two yet, these episodes will give you a bit more context. In part one, we explore the current treatment options for multiple sclerosis, and in part two, we discuss the octopus trial in detail with its chief investigator, Professor Jeremy Chataway. The opening of the octopus trial is bringing hope to many people living with progressive MS, as there is no treatment for them yet. Octopus also means a lot to the MS research community as they keep working hard to find new drugs for progressive MS. In this episode, we explore the experience of patients taking part in Octopus and the challenges that participants might face during the trial. We speak to Don Lyle and Matthew Justin, two experts in MS. So my name's Dawn Lyle. I am a lead research nurse at the Anne Rowland Clinic in Edinburgh. Okay, well, hi, I'm Matthew Justin. I'm one of the MS nurses and we do clinics at the Anne Rowland Clinic. Dawn and Matthew are part of the MS team at the Anne Rowland Regenerative Neurologic Clinic in Edinburgh. They are both involved in the octopus trial in different ways. So we are um, one of the larger sites for the octopus study. We are currently um, the Scottish, one of the, the only Scottish site for octopus, but we can be, um, you know, we will recruit people from all across Scotland like we have done with our previous MS trials. Um, so we're really excited. So my role within the study is I'm um, part of the research team. So I will be involved with, you know, contacting patients to take part and recruiting patients and seeing people when they come in for their study visits, which is the bit of it that I really enjoy. Yeah, so, so I'm not directly involved in the trial itself, but I will be involved in recruiting. Certainly uh, looking for uh, patients with MS that, that may be suitable for the trial. Um, we've been thinking about Octopus for a few years now as we're waiting for, for, for it to get, get launched. So we've managed to sort of highlight quite a few people that have come through clinic, but there's always people that we've missed that, that when we come in and say, well, actually, you know, have you thought about trials? Would you be suitable? You know, we, we now know a bit more about the inclusion criteria. You, you might fit that. Would you like more information? So that's really my job as MS nurse in a, in a, in a trial unit. And I, I don't know if it's because I'm in the unrolling clinic where I can quite easily just say, okay, well, you know, you might be eligible. Let, let me introduce you to a trial nurse who can give you more information about it. The Unrolling Clinic was the second octopus site to open after University College London Hospitals or UCLH. The trial is already generating interest amongst people living with progressive MS in Scotland. 
there, there's a there, there always has been a lot of interest in in these trials for people with progressive MS, be, and I think that's because there aren't really any treatments, um, and it's quite a large number of the poor, pop, MS population that have progressive MS. Um, but you know, I'm always really humbled by the fact that people with MS will come forward to take part in trials and and travel a distance to do it. You know, people are suffering from ongoing pain, ongoing mobility issues, you know, bladder, bowel issues. Um, and getting around is, is not always that easy. It's, it's, it's amazing that, you know, people are so engaged and so keen to come and help. Um, and, and, and a lot of them are not to say they're not doing this for themselves, they're doing it for other people. Um, you know, it's it, it's a it's a real pleasure when studies are opened because there's such an anticipation amongst, you know, people to come and, and join. People are contacting me and say, when is when are you when's the study starting? Please don't forget me. Um, people are just so keen um to come and help us, which is, you know, which makes our job so great. Is it is such an enjoyable thing um to, you know, to, to be involved with this. You know, we're all really enthusiastic about it. So there is a lot of enthusiasm in Octopus. However, it is important to also highlight some of the challenges that people with progressive MS might experience when they want to join the trial. I, I think always with people with second progressive MS, you know, and especially people that have had it for a long time, you know, they, they've often missed treatment opportunities. You know, so, so there's a lot of managing that expectations. And again, back up to Octopus, there will be inclusion and exclusion criteria. So there's always that, that worry when you're seeing patients in clinic that, you know, you're talking about a study that, you know, and then it turns out, well, actually, oh, sorry, you, you're not eligible because you're no longer using, you know, um, you're no longer transferring or or perhaps you're too old, you know, and, it, and it's managing those expectations, which is always quite difficult from a sort of a, a clinical point of view because you, you, you want people that are keen to be involved in trials to, to help, you know, because that's the only way that we're going to improve our knowledge and, and what have you. So, and I suppose the other thing is, is making sure people know what the aim of the primary endpoints of the studies are. You know, you're not looking for these medications to improve function or, you know, you know, it's undoubtedly be, correct me if I'm wrong, to, 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 to slow down the progression you know, will be those probably the primary outcome. I think traveling, the, the burden of traveling um, is is an, an issue. Now, that's, you know, um, very particular for us up here in Scotland as well, because, you know, um, public transport links aren't, aren't the greatest and our road network isn't the greatest. So people do have to, you know, sometimes it is a challenge for people to travel. And I think that is probably one of the biggest hurdles um, that we have um, to, to for, for people to come and join us. People might want to really come in and do the study, but because they suffer from fatigue or they can't drive, um, then traveling to get to us does become an issue. Um, and, and that's, you know, and it's, 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 it's a shame. Um, you, you do feel for people that people do have to still travel a long distance to participate in research. And that shouldn't be the case. Um, but unfortunately, you know, um, as we are the only site in Scotland, then um, that, that is going to be a burden. Octopus is designed to reduce the burden in participants as much as possible. 
the trials are designed to make it as easy as possible for people to take part because we obviously appreciate um that people you know um you know get tired easily you know struggle with some aspects of of you know um daily life so we want we don't want to make it a burden for people so when the trial office design the protocols they really do bear that in mind and they make it as easy for the the participants people taking part as possible you know there are telephone visits in the in the study so people don't have to travel to see us for every single appointment um and we try and reduce the burden for people as much as we can so that you know they're not here for a, a very long time not here for hours and hours we don't want to to exhaust people and we want people to stay engaged and want to come back and see us so we want it to be a a, a pleasurable experience um for people we really want people to to stick with it for the length of the trial um and so making it as easy as possible for people really helps with that Another motivation to take part in a clinical trial is the extra healthcare that participants receive during the trial. I think a lot of people say that they really enjoy being involved in research because it means that they get that extra level of, you know, um care in a way, you know, because we can pick up on problems and have a discussion with them. We can bring in our MS specialist team to discuss issues that people are having rather than them wait to have at their usual outpatient appointment, which could be six months, you know, away, um, we can discuss um, any issues that people have and then highlight that to their care team and hopefully, you know, help them address. And that's one of the benefits of taking part in research is that we can, you know, help people to get maybe help a bit sooner than, than they would have been able to potentially if they were waiting for an outpatient appointment in six months time. We also asked Don about the journey that patients go through in the unrolling clinic in Edinburgh. Um, talking from our experience, um, we um, can talk to patients directly when they come into clinic for their appointments. Um, there are, um, if people are not attending our clinic, um, there's various ways. Their own consultant, their own care team can refer them to us. Um Patients, you know, can contact us. We have a we have a, a, a website for the clinic, which patients can contact us directly through that. And that website lists all of the um, research that we currently do. Um, so we would always direct people to our own website. So there are various ways. Um, I find the best ways, though, is to actually just talk to people. Um, you know, see somebody face to face or chat to somebody on the phone and, you know, have a discussion. Um, but yeah, there's various ways that patients can get referred, you know, if they're wanting to participate. Initially, if somebody contacts us or we contact somebody and we've had a discussion and we've provided the information on the trial and people have had time to digest that and read it and discuss it with family we always encourage people to discuss the trial with with their family and that people some people go to their gp and discuss it with them or they take it to their their own ms consultant and discuss it just to make sure they're making the right decision um for themselves because you know it is a any participant in any research is a commitment um, but once we've had that discussion and people are happy to come and join us, um, we then, you know, reach out to people and arrange a screening visit where we just check that people are eligible. Um, because even 
though we discuss it and you know we say to people yes we think you are eligible um we can never really confirm that 100% until we actually see the person and go through you know all of the aspects of the you know criteria for the child so that screen that first visit that screening visit is is part is part of that process so patients would consent first of all and then we would go through what we call the, the screening processes which often involves blood tests and you know depending on the trial it would you know, involve some physical examinations, um, some specific trial um, tests. We do a lot in MS trials, we do a lot of, of cognition tests, you know, tests where we ask people to do some memory recall tests. Um, some we have a test called um, the nine hole peg test where patients have to put pegs. Some people will know this, put pegs in a board and we have to time. And it's all about sort of, you know, hand use and manual dexterity. So there are lots of these sort of things that we have to, to complete with people to ensure that people are eligible. Um, so people will come and have that screening visit and it's not till people have left and we've got all the results back that we can confirm with them that they're actually eligible. And then we would bring them in um, for the visit where they actually get usually the medication is prescribed at the next visit when they come back in to see us. And what we do with everybody, we um, when patients come on to trials is we are really flexible with the visits. Um, so we try and work around what's best for the individual. Some people can only do, you know, a, a Thursday afternoon or a Friday morning. So, you know, we are you know, it's, it's it, we're really lucky in that we can be really flexible and say, well, when do you, when's best for you to come and see us? You know, um, and we do that because a lot of the visits can be quite long. Um, the first couple of visits, usually for a, a trial with the screening and what we call the randomization, the baseline for the next visit where the patient actually gets the 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 drug. There, these visits can be quite long. And we're, some they can range from you know two hours sometimes up to two two and a half three hours, um, for the longest visits. But we always discuss that with people. We always make people aware of when they're coming in for a particular visit, how long that visit's going to be, you know, and you know um, where are they traveling from. So we try and gauge all of these things to make sure it's at a time of day that suits them. The octopus trial is divided in two stages. Participants that join the trial in stage one will have a total of four magnetic resonance imaging or MRI scans over a period of two years. They'll come in for the screening visit, the first visit, and then after that, um, or as part of that, then they would need to have an MRI scan. Um, can take any anything between 30 and, and, and 45 minutes. You have an MRI scan before you start treatment. Um, and that MRI scan is what we call a baseline MRI scan. Um, so you have that baseline MRI scan and then the other MRI scans within the trial or after you started on the trial medication. So they're using that baseline MRI uh, as a, as a, you know, as a, a starting point, as a, com a comparison for the other MRI scans that people have when they start treatment. 
For people with progressive MS who are interested in taking part in our octopus trial, Professor Jeremy Chataway, a co-lead of the Neurodegenerative Disease Program at the Emerson CTU at UCL and the lead of the octopus trial, explains the steps to follow. So if you are a potential participant in Octopus, um, then go onto the Octopus website and they will ask for basic information, um, obviously your, your age, a rough idea of your level of disability or ability, um, the region that will be closest to you, any medication that you're on, and a few other questions. And then most people will pass that test. Um, if there are reasons why you don't, then that will be made clear, but most people will pass. And then that information, let's say your nearest site is Edinburgh, will be sent to the Edinburgh team. So, but then they'll be looking to give you a call to do some further telephone work and then if that's all fulfilled to bring you in to clinic. To be fair, it does take some time, so it's not an instant answer. We must manage our expectations. Um, but I, I would hope that most people who want to enter this trial will ultimately enter this trial. Octopus is now open in London, Edinburgh, Cardiff, Leeds, Sheffield and Southampton. And at least 10 more sites across the UK are getting ready to open. Octopus will be recruiting participants for the next few years. We asked Don and Matthew what they hope the Octopus trial will achieve in the future. Well, obviously a treatment, <laughs> an effective treatment. And I think patients, you know, deserve that, um, you know, and, and, and really, you know, um, obviously there's a desire for that amongst patients. Um, I would really like, you know, having done two trials, a trial previously and, a, and currently doing another trial, for me, you know, um, the icing on the cake would be for there to be a, a treatment, you know, um, coming out of, of one of these trials um, for patients. I'd like to see a drug being licensed for use and then being, you know, coming into clinic and seeing it be prescribed for people. And, you know, patients would be ecstatic, you know, that, you know, and it would change people's um, perceptions of living with progressive MS. Because, you know, as I've said, you have the relapsing remitting, you go into progressive and there's very few options in terms of, you know, treatment. Um, so I think perceptions of progressive MS will hopefully change, you know, if there was a treatment which was effective, just to help even slow down that progression. And it would be absolutely massive, absolutely massive. To me, the most exciting thing about Octopus is the longevity of it, you know, and the fact that it's not just going to be a two-year trial where you're going to try try something and then, and then stop and, and then wait for the outcome. So it's a multi-arm trial that's going to keep going that you know there's you know I don't think it's going to end, end point you know new arms are hopefully going to come in arms that aren't affected are going to going to going to leave so you know and for for the person on 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 the journey through this trial you know there's there's either continuing you know involvement or you know or, or hopefully an outcome with they end up on the medication and stuff you know so it's, it's that, that I'm pretty confident that in five years' time I'll still be talking about octopus. You know, it might, I might have different arms, might look different, um, but, you know, it'll still be octopus and I'll hopefully still be there and very strong. 
Dudon and Matthew feel optimistic that the trial will find the treatment for progressive MS. I'm always optimistic. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, you know, obviously that's that's our hope here. You know, after doing years of of, of research with 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 patients with progressive MS, um, you know, that's what we want to see. Um, so we are optimistic. You have to be optimistic. To be in research, you have to be optimistic because that's the main aim of what we're doing. We're hoping that, you know, this, whatever treatment we're studying at the time, we're hoping that that treatment is going to work. So we're eternally optimistic. And, you know, there, there has to be something out there one of these treatments out, you know, that is being, you know, researched currently, one of these treatments has to, to prove to be effective. I think it, from experience, it's always small steps, you know, and, you know, and it might not be a, the, the first medication might not be a brilliant medication, um, but if it leads on to another medication, it's not a positive, you know, and again, going back to the first disease modifying therapy is relapse and emitting MS, the beta interferons, which were really big back back early sort of two thousands, you know, they they were very limited in what they did. But what they did do was lead the way for other medications to come on that that are more effective, you know, easier to take and what have you. So, the yes, I'm I'm hopeful. Um, my my only reservation is that it's going to be quite a, a long process. Although finding a new effective treatment for progressive MS might still take some time, the launch of Octopus represents a huge turning point. The, the near future of, of MS research looks really exciting because we're starting this platform study. You know, we're testing lots of different drugs, um, you know. Um, so, you know, we're still finishing off the MS STAT2 trial. Um, so there is a lot of optimism because when I first came into this job there weren't any trials drug trials for people with progressive MS certainly that I was involved with so you know to, to have all this um, you know interest and excitement around these trials is, is fantastic. Behind the scenes of Octopus there is a huge team of people with different areas of expertise who set up the trial and make sure that it runs smoothly. But there is one group in particular that has been instrumental in shaping octopus. We have to ask patients' opinions of if so, you know, to see whether, you know, they would be able to to be able to do this trial. So we 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 have, you know, and we involve patients in, in that very early setup of a trial to say, this is what we want to do. Is this going to work? Would you would you be able to to do this? And we be able to come in for three hours? How do you feel about having an MRI scan? Um, so all of these patients are involved in all of these questions at a very early stage, and when the trial's being designed, um, and that's great because you obviously have to take on board what what patients can and 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 can't manage because if, if you know the trial's not going to work. If, if patients can actually, you know, um, cope with what we're asking them to do. So that the patients, the people involved in the study, people with MS are the most important aspect of that. Yeah, because without them and without their input into that design, we couldn't do the trial and we couldn't do the trial without them anyway. So, you know, they are the, 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 the key factor. <laughs> Thanks for listening. We will explore more about patient involvement in Octopus in part 4, the last episode of this series. 
If you'd like to find out more about Octopus, there's lots of information on our MRC CTU website. The Octopus website, ms-octopus.mrcctu.ucl.ac.uk and the UK MS Society website. For more information about the Unrolling Clinic in Edinburgh, go to unrollingclinic.org.